1: to this Thursday edition of Everyday Connection, I'm Rico Shields, and right over here we have Jean Victoria Norlock. How are you, Jean?
2: I am still healthy. Wow. I I know. I I'm mean, kind of in a state of shock. I had I had a bit of downtime wait- today where I had an ups, I'm upset sorry. stomach, but no, it's okay. But I I even with my upset stomach, I still got so much done around the house today, and I don't. I, yeah, I'm waiting. I'm still waiting for the crash, guys. And this is like day freaking twenty something. I'm sure. Let me look at my calendar.
1: That's what I was gonna say. Um, you, you've been waiting for the other shoe to drop, and pretty soon. Day I, twenty-five. Get used to the shoe staying on.
2: Day twenty-five, and I have yet not yet to crash. So I don't know. I don't know. It's
1: almost a record so far for like the last fifteen <laughs> years.
2: <Five> years. <laughs> It is fibromyalgia sufferers out there. Are you listening to what I'm saying? We found a cure. Um, we we certainly
1: found her cure, heart. and it works for me on a, a myriad of issues. Uh, I, I even think that my nerve damage, uh, nerve challenge issue, let's not say damage, um, is responding to it. It's It's taking it a little time, but it was, in medical terminology, severe. Just short of extreme, so I'm going to give it a little time. Uh, but it the the saga of the sea veg continues because every single person that I have given a bottle to has now phoned me up to find out how to get more because their bottle is gone and they're not going to do without it.
2: And they can live without it. Do you feel like a sea crack dealer? Because I feel like a sea crack dealer. We had Uh, a visitor on the weekends, and she was out, and she's like, "What do I do?" And I said, "Well, my bottles aren't here yet from the states, but here I'll give you some from my personal stash." And I'm counting them out, and I'm putting them in a little baggie, and you know, um, it's it's funny. I shouldn't think about it that way, but the funny thing is, it's just freaking seaweed. It's seaweed. It's so simple. Oh my goodness.
1: Ground up, you know.
2: I I don't get it, but it works.
1: And, (laughs) you know, so we never should have left the coastline. We should all still be picking up seaweed and eating it. But uh, this is easier. And no bad taste either, capsules, really.
2: No bad taste. um, No saltiness. Um, You can take as much as you want and still have room in your stomach for meals. Because if you're like me and you just like food, because I like food. I really do. I love the flavor and the texture of food. And I like cooking and I love, like experimenting. And um, and I really like now that I have this sea veg that I'm eating or taking. I'm getting all the nourishment my body needs, obviously, because it's stronger, healthier, and continues to get healthier every single day than it has been in years. I mean, we're talking over 30 years since I've been Healthy. Uh, actually healthy. I don't remember ever being really healthy. So this is totally new for me. It is very exciting and I still get to eat all the foods that I love to eat, like cookies and and gluten. Gluten free cookies. She, put,
1: so
2: I love my she posts on
1: Facebook to tease the rest <laughs> of us. Oh Yeah, they're
2: pretty they're pretty, they look awesome. pretty
1: awesome. They just I could almost the smell strawberry, from the
2: strawberry. Yeah. The strawberry almond ones were like, what? Um, but <laughs> the point is, is that I can still enjoy all the foods I love. I can still have room in my stomach for full meals with dessert, and still be getting all this nutrients. And I don't have to eat like a rabbit. I don't have to eat the paleo diet, which when you live in a remote and- area. And don't have a high budget to work off. is very difficult. We have and, to be realistic about that.
1: Unless she grows it herself or gets it from her neighbors, it's tough to get. And very right. expensive. And, and you know, uh, Veronica Torres was talking about kelp on her show last night. And she said, yeah, I don't know. I, I just put it in the blender. It's really, let's just put all of the necessary vitamins and nutrients into something that tastes horrible. You know, um, and I... For the kelp fans out there, I'm sorry. It just doesn't do it for me. And, uh, I mean... It, but
2: it works. Uh, so we get why doesn't. you're eating it. We we get why you're eating it. It just, for me, it tastes like crap. So Scott it, it, has solved that problem.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, you, you folks know that we have offered uh, some sponsorships from time to time, but we really don't take paid advertising on the radio show because there's enough on the Blog Talk website already. And this is not a paid ad. This is an unsolicited no. testimonial, I suppose you could say. Now, uh, we have a, a coupon code for you that will save you 15% and we'll get, you know, a dollar or something. It's not much. Uh, but you don't even have to and use the coupon code. Sure. And, I, you know, I, like I said, I'm giving out bottles to people. and
2: Yeah, me too.
1: i run out of the free bottles that he sent me. I'm giving away paid bottles. Because,
2: I'm, to I'm I because to people I care about, because yeah, yeah,
1: it it it's <laughs> just well, Gene, like, thirty years more or less that you've been in pain of one sort or another.
2: Yeah, I don't remember. um I don't remember even as a child ever not being sick. Even as a child, I had intense growing pains and and issues with my legs and my muscles, and then I was constantly ill with. Um, chest infections and bronchitis and lung infections and sinusitis and allergies and allergic to milk and allergic to this and allergic to that and constant health challenges. I I don't I don't remember. I also then, don't remember ever being able to say I'm whole, well, and healthy. And now I can come to you today and say that, yes, I did break my back so many years ago. Yes, the dia- doctors did diagnose me with this disease they call fibromyalgia. Yes, I do apparently have two herniated discs and a spine that's not curved <coughs> the way it should be curved. But I am living a happy, healthy lifestyle.
1: And, and all the stuff it. you did today, even with an upset stomach, you did... In like minus 17 Celsius temperatures, which is like
3: yeah.
1: one or two degrees Fahrenheit for us Americans, yeah. and and that temperature alone last winter would have had you pretty much on the couch or in the bed.
2: Yeah, it it really is enough to um, to bedridden most fibromyalgia sufferers or anybody who's got rheumatoid arthritis or, or any of those d- diseases, anybody with MS. It's, it's those things. Um, the cold temperature and the the barometric pressure um, are very, very potent to your your state of well being. So if, if you know the weather's white, bright and sunny and warm, then you're doing good. But if the weather drops below a certain degree, if it's damp, um, sort of
1: disease that, that in yeah. England in past times they would have sent you away to in- India or Egypt or. Somewhere so that yeah, could you could know, be warm and be healthy. And crazy
2: people with these diseases stay stay in cold climates. I'm nuts to still be in Canada. That's what the doctor said. And he said by the time you're, by the time you're in your 40s, you're gonna have to move to the south. But then they also told me that I'd be in the wheelchair by the time I was 35. And we didn't allow that to happen either. So you know, we didn't I mean, that that's to what happen. to
1: you. And now, it, it because I remember this winter before you got the sea veg and we started the sea veg. It got cold and you, you were kind of doing okay. And then it got cold and you
2: were done. And I was sick. I was sick. I was sore. I was exhausted. That's when I started getting really sick. And then with the lung infection, if, if I do, if the diagnosis is correct, that I had mold on my lungs, there's no way that I should be breathing again so well already because it takes two to three months to cure that particular issue but I'm fine. I haven't coughed in like a week and a half. So the body can. I mean, the moral of the story guys is we saw it proven true with Dr. Terry walls when she came to, to see the show and we tried her, her diet. um, And, and we both had rapid and, and, you know, really apparent um, response to the, the change in diet improvement. Like
1: Oh, yeah. It was, it was quick Crazy and it was dramatic.
2: Uh, that's the word I'm looking for, dramatic improvement due to the change in diet. Um, so we know that by eating the right foods and feeding your body the materials that it needs to heal itself, it will heal itself. The body is a self-sustaining, self-reproducing, um, self-fixing. Why why can't I get the words across tonight? Oh, my goodness.
1: Ah! Ah! Um, Self regenerating, Ah. self self correcting. Thank
2: you again, my partner. Self correcting, self regenerating. Why there's two of us? That's right. So when we feed it, two
1: half wits make a witty person. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but (laughs) uh, but just to review now, folks, her diet is three cups of greens, organic greens. Three cups of greens. Three cups of colors, which could be colored veggies or. Brightly colored fruits, and then three cups of sulfur-containing vegetables, which is basically your cruciferous. But there's nine cups of food, and that's before you eat anything else. And, yeah, and it, that's plus fun. grass-fed you know, beef you have and
2: to be grass-fed beef, which is organ meat once
4: a week,
1: right? Ah. It's
2: very, it's 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 a great great diet to get your health to improve. I I completely approve of the method because Absolutely, I do but for those of you who aren't able it's expensive it's time consuming and yes of course it's worth it but if you can't do that if you're one of those people who just can't adhere to the strict kind of you know diet that is required in order for you to maintain your health or if you're in a in a place where you're not able to easily access those foods and let's face it some of the places that live those foods are not easily accessible or they're simply too expensive if you're not in financial you know, situation where you can afford grass-fed meats and organic vegetables and that many vegetables and fruit a day, you know, cutting out your grains and going gluten-free is not a cheap thing to do. So here's this other option. We're not saying one works better than the other. I'm not going to say that because Dr. T- Doctor Wall's diet worked as well as this worked for me. I just wasn't able to maintain it.
1: And, and, and I hope one day I that all of our – all of our produce available is is organic sustainably grown uh yeah. fair wages for the people that produce it and pick it um, but until that time, this really will do the trick people and and for our podcast listeners uh, just quickly it's pharmacy farm a c s e a pharmacy dot com and you can use coupon code, and this is in all capitals, EC Family. because all of our listeners and guests become members of our Everyday Connection family, at least that's how we view you, and that's our coupon code, EC Family. you'll get, it only works once, but it'll give you 15% off your, your entire order, um, and uh, they've got some great quantity discounts that I've used, because uh, everyone that I, I know of that has taken a bottle of this stuff is like, where is it, give me more it's just yeah, better I than haven't. Being, I, it's better than being a crack dealer cuz they all come I back but they it, come back happy
2: <clears throat> they come back happy and healthy and vibrant and um i haven't given it to anybody yet who hasn't had some kind of positive reaction to it and the stories are so varied the the results are as diverse as the people that are taking this stuff, whatever your issues are, this stuff is going to target those issues. Why? Because your body is just healing them naturally because you're finally giving it what it needs in order to do its job. End of story. It's that simple. And do you think he passed the test?
1: Oh, more than that. And our guests, we have guests in the chat room, <laughs> they've passed the test by staying with us. Uh, we usually don't banter that long in the beginning, and but this stuff has changed Both of our lives, and so we want you to know about it too. Um, But everybody came to hear about sacred geometry and sacred musical science, and uh, so we're going to do that. Tonight, we're thrilled to have with us Mr. Julian Forrest. Julian,
4: how are you? Excellent. Great to be here, Rick, and joining.
2: Awesome. Welcome to the show. I'm actually really excited about this because I don't know a lot about sacred geometry and the idea of marrying it to um the, the production and creation of music, to me that seems very logical, but um I wanna hear, you know I wanna hear the journey that got you there. And um so this is gonna be an exciting show for me because somebody who can explain the ins and outs of sacred geometry and music all in one is a really cool idea to me. So we're going to start with the the main question, um, and then we'll just go from there. So who on earth are you, and what do you do?
4: Well, I would consider myself a Renaissance person. It's very, very involved, but ultimately it's just like you said. Uh, I really like what you used as your explanation, the combination of frequency and form, the idea of sacred geometry and sacred sound, having a connection that you can actually show is probably one of the greatest things I have to offer. Uh, I actually view it as a pretty important thing because uh, so many times I've taken people aside and initiated them personally in what I call harmonic proportion. And when I teach them harmonic proportion at whatever level they're ready to receive it, oftentimes what happens is they gain a completely different worldview that stays with them permanently where they realize that all this idea of fragmentation and chaos and all these illusions, are really much more resolvable. There's an underlying harmony to everything. And so the connection between frequency and form is what I'm really quite honestly offering to this age. I I view it as a pretty important thing, something that could be remembered for centuries, quite honestly, because that connection is so often overlooked that when it comes together, something changes in people's consciousness and they become better artists. They become more thoughtful people. They become more aware Their their consciousness will oftentimes even raise and, and sometimes stay that way permanently. So that would be my explanation. It's kind of taking the Renaissance view of things and let's combine science, art, spirituality, you know, a little bit of mathematics and geometry and, and all these kinds of things and let's figure out how it all
2: works together
4: instead of how things are fragmented or separate. That's my answer. <laughs>
2: Pretty awesome answer.
1: It's one of our be- better answers in in two. It, it is. Thank you.
2: Uh, okay. We so.
1: also really like the uh, who am I? I have no earthly idea, but I'm finding out. We like that one too. <laughs> we got but that was uh, that was an awesome answer.
2: It was an awesome answer, which of course. As all good answers do, leave many more questions. So, but I'm, um, my role on the show is, of course, to not know anything because that's my job. Um, I'm supposed to come at you like a listener who has never heard of you before and has no idea what on earth you're talking about. So, okay. explain to me, sir, first what this sacred ge- geometry thing is and how okay. does that play a role in our understanding of the planet and the earth that we live on with in
4: oh, that's, that's an excellent question here's where I'll start with that I like the way that you tied it in with the, the earth and where we live because sacred geometry is extraordinarily beautiful and the reality is is there's different kinds of arts out there. And I I would never try to pick any one or another and say that it's not useful necessarily. But what I would say is that ultimately, if you really, really tune in throughout history and you start thinking about the really great temple building, the really great artists, the really great musical compositions, if you dig a little bit deeper, you find out oftentimes there's a sacred geometry thread uh, that's really behind that. Because long, long ago, probably much, much longer than anyone would believe, uh, ancient people discovered a harmonic canon. And this harmonic canon explains exactly how atoms work, even. It explains exactly how the spacings of the planets operate. It dictates directly how plants and trees grow, and in the best way it gives them a format. And you can view everything as being a fractal sacred geometry growth if you really, really study it. So I like the idea of taking, uh, you know, what about the planet we live on and us? Because ultimately we're responsible for ourselves, right? Okay. So how does it relate to us? What does it mean? Um, if I'm speaking with the doctor, I, I may point out with them that, you know, the, the very proportions of the human body are based on the Fibonacci series and show them how and where as an example. Uh, if I'm dealing with a, a musician that's really interested in technique, uh, you know, we might approach the ideas of balance and geometry. Uh, but more importantly... A few simple things that I like to offer to people that they can kind of look up on Google on their own and, and, uh, you know, in books and so on and so forth and and take it a little bit further and really kind of get the the grand Renaissance kind of viewpoint that I've developed. What I'd say is look up Bode's Law. It's B-O-D-E-S. And uh, Bode's Law specifically shows that the spacings of the planets are harmonic intervals. It's really, really simple. It's, it's not. It's not complicated. If you wanted to get more complicated with that, I would say look up Kepler harmonies of the world and, and things like that, and that's very amazing too. But very simply, Bose law, and then go back and look at the atomic table of elements and find out when it was. It, what I found is it was rediscovered, quite, quite frankly. But it was rediscovered by Mendeleev in 1864, and you look at the history, and it's very blatant. He found out that there was an octave relationship between certain things in the atomic table, as we call it now, okay? So here's the illusion part of it, is we see this graph in front of us, uh, this rectangle of uh, numbers, and they call it the atomic table. Okay, but that's fine. It's a useful approach to studying it, but the reality is it's discovered by harmonic intervals, and that's an absolute fact, okay? So when we look at it and realize that you start with hydrogen, and if you start to to look at the spiral that it develops and goes through, if you drive a spiral instead of this uh, flat uh, rectangular picture, you can actually see it's a harmonic spiral. No ifs, ands, or buts. It's completely musical, for real. And I can't really stress the importance of this idea if you take the planets themselves, the solar system we live in, and which our planet's a part of, okay, as Gene mentioned, and then take the idea that all of the material as we regard it, which is not material at all, of course, uh, it's light energy, is harmonic, literally, not kind of or partially, but absolutely. And you really take that in, it can completely change how you view everything. Okay, so the uh, the fact is, if you take atoms and you look at them under a uh, electron, you know, uh, microscope, an electron microscope, and you see how they're behaving, they've done this with you know platinum crystals and various different things. They make the canon of sacred geometry themselves, the actual atoms, what they do under an electron microscope. And all the archetypes for everything is a harmonic geometric relationship. So the uh, ancient Pythagoreans had this saying that I'm very fond of, which is there's geometry in the humming of the strings and there's music in the whirling of the spheres, now, they weren't kidding. It's very poetic, that is, but they were serious. They understood these things. They they had the full realization that inside of the harmonics inside of a string, okay, in the spacings of the planets, in the way the plants were growing, uh, and everything was a harmonic substructure. And so basically, taking uh, these tom elements, the spacings of the planets, And then moving into the realm of music theory, just a little bit without talking about it too much, I'd like to point out that the harmonics inside of your strings on any string musical instrument are infinite harmonics working together, which you perceive as a tone. So throughout history, a few people here and there, like Pythagoras, have learned to hear that cosmic symphony that's inside the string. It's very rare that anyone can really hear it, but it's a song that's inside of every single note that's being played. So personally, because I've trained myself to hear that, I don't just hear a note anymore. I hear an unfolding of harmonics that make a perception of an overall tone. But those harmonics are inside there at the same time. Now, those harmonics that unfold inside every single note are exactly the same cosmic song as the time, tail elements in the space of the planets and something that can be demonstrated so that's what I would say about that
1: uh-huh
2: who cool.
1: we already have questions this is excellent <laughs> no we're going to have that, that... no questions from the chat room we're, we're um, um I I thought that was a beautiful explanation um um sacred geometry sort of, it starts very simple. Yes. With essentially a circle. And and then from that builds this incredibly complex pattern that is at the same time really simple. It's a bunch of circles. But you end up with triangles and angles and this neat oval thing called the Vesica Pisces and you can yeah, it just it, it again without trying to uh if you if it, if this idea of sacred geometry is is uh resonating with you, check out some of these links that he's talking about and we will um uh, we're going to talk about it some more, but it's uh people that may have seen uh, a pattern called the flower of life. uh that is one of the patterns that say, people that study sacred geometry talk about. But it starts down with the seed of life, moves up there to the flower of life, it, and there's all these intermediate. And it is rather fractal. It's The pattern itself is not a fractal, but to me the way that it moves out is kind of fractal-like. It,
4: I agree it, with you, Rick.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because you can, the, the, a fractal is sort of, I like to think the easy explanation of fractal is something that just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. But if you take any one piece, you can zoom in as far as you want, and you keep seeing the pattern over and over and over again, like Absolutely. mirrors looking into mirrors. And and you can do that with the sacred geometry form as well. Um, the the flower of life. You zoom in, it's two circles that make a oval overlap. Um,
4: I, I really like your uh, your explanation, by the way. Very good.
1: Oh well, thanks. That's that's my job. I'm an interdimensional translator, in, and
4: <laughs> um, nice. I I
1: I, I I I try to figure out how to say really big things really
4: small. So yeah, make, uh, make <clears> them make them fluid and and something that can communicate easily. And but I, yeah, uh, I I like the the points that you brought up though. Just to, I'd like to say mm-hmm. that.
1: And uh, um. It it's time, I think, as as a society, as a uh, humanity, that we and, and and this sort of convergence you talked about being a renaissance man, where you want to take art and science and spirituality and like blend it all together, and yeah, that's something I think people miss about the renaissance, the historical period called the renaissance, folks like Leonardo da Vinci. Um, they were generally folks who had studied math what science there was to study um but they also were astrologers and and spiritualists and artists and they sort of did it all
4: exactly and uh you know one thing I'll, I'll point out uh, like you said as far as a historical perspective on what this information knowledge really really means is uh, the rebirth that that happened that we call the Renaissance happened because uh, some very visionary people sent people all over the world to get books and bring them back and then have them translated and then disseminate them. So now when you have Plato and the Hermetica and Archimedes coming back, which are the kinds of things that Leonardo da Vinci was reading, this is where the Renaissance really comes from. It's all from the ancient world and it's all related to ancient Egypt and India which is where Pythagoras studied and so on and so forth. So, um, Unfortunately, because of the the loss of the Alexandrian Library, we lost a great deal of those things for centuries and and brought the Dark Age on. And then when we bring it back, you get a renaissance when the right people uh, come across it. So this is a time for a new renaissance. This is a time where we can say, uh, with all the tools that we have and all the ability and all the communication going on all over the world, we can again, for more people than ever, combine these things now, and I want to stress, very important uh, for everyone, that you do not have to be a great mathematician to do any of this. Uh, The the very excellent description that that Rick just gave, didn't use any mathematics. It's not necessary. Don't get me wrong. I I love mathematicians and mathematics, and and when I'm intensely studying, I I do some some mathematics for sure, but the, the essence of it can be done with, if you had a stick and sand, and you could explain it to someone. Um, Or, you know, to do the musical part, ideally a stick, sand, and a guitar string, you know, one string strung across something. The essence of it is to understand what's really happening as opposed to how many equations that you can do. Um, So it's a really neat thing, the sacred geometry and the harmonic sciences uh, combined together, uh, especially don't have to really be as involved as they sound but I will tell everyone this because it's kind of important, is um, to really get to the essence of it and really understand it and know what the right answers were and how everything related, that did take tremendous amounts of study on that part. Oh, <laughs> I'm not going to kid anybody. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I, there's,
1: there's so much that I glossed over that it's just really not even funny. But uh, <laughs> Because, because it, it, it you could make a lifetime out of studying just sacred geometry and and the proportions. and um, uh, We did have a question from the chat room, and we just kind of blend those in when they come along instead of having a a Q&A period. Absolutely. (laughs) So structured. Oh, goodness. Um, uh, But Little Wing would like to know, how would you explain why certain musical tones affect people in different ways? Uh, For example, some musical tones might make a person cry, uh, etc.,
4: Ah, very good. First, let me say that uh, Little Wing is a very, very dear friend of mine. and I'm really uh, pleased that she's on here. She actually saw me play on the Woodstock site in New York, the actual site of the 1969 Woodstock. She was there, and she filmed me, Cool, by the way. Yeah, so I just want to acknowledge her and her friendship. Uh, uh, here's, here's how I'll answer that, it's a little bit lateral, and especially since she's the one that asked. Um, I'll just be honest. Uh I hear all the time from people that they enter into heightened states of consciousness or have mystical experiences when I perform. It happens often. And a lot of times it stays with them, even if we didn't talk about sacred geometry or harmonic sciences. So in addressing what, what kind of effect tone has and, and coming to that, um, I'll first say that there's a th- thing about intention that's very mystical in art somehow intention gets transmitted in all kinds of ways that we wouldn't expect. You know, you take a CD, for example, and it got torn up into little bits of information and put through a computer, but somehow we can still feel the intent of the artist, right? Okay? So there's something that gets transmitted above the tones being used uh, even in a painting from centuries ago as in another example or a temple that was built thousands of years ago. Somehow intent is being transmitted in all kinds of mysterious ways that we don't necessarily know how to exactly identify. So there's what I want to say about tone more than anything. If you take a, a great guitar player like Jimi Hendrix, uh, there's intention being transmitted in every single note he plays. Uh, and something about you know, just even being transmitted through that touch of his finger some way. Okay? But as far as types of tones and how they affect people, starting with intent and realizing there's lots of different answers to that. Um, the biggest thing is is that inside of every single note that's that's being played is that harmonic series that I, I talked about. And that harmonic series is the song of the universe, okay? So there's a part of us that actually knows that. There's a part of us that biologically our ears are designed to pick up those notes in, in certain frequency spectrums. There's a part of us that understands that everything is really harmonic, even if we don't really have any science or words for it. We, we get it at some level. So, that harmonic series inside of every note is really the cornerstone of all music theory. Um, people like Bach knew this. You know, Leonardo Vinci understood it. Pythagoras understood it. People that made music theory understood this stuff. Okay, That's based on the harmonics inside of the string. So, when we go inside or out of that harmonic formula, which is based on, for example, a, a major chord, the harmonics are the, the strongest ones. When we hear, say, for example, a C major chord, and you know someone's banging away on their acoustic guitar or they, you know, plunked out on the piano, at some level we understand that's that's the the foundation. That's how the harmonics unfold. Simply, okay, we play a minor then we know that we're a little bit outside of how the harmonics unfold in their strongest way in the beginning when a, t- when a tone is struck. Okay? So there's a part of us that understands that that's a little bit off of the norm and it has a tendency towards sadness. It's not an absolute, but it has a tendency in that direction. So if I play what's called a half step, which on a guitar would be moving one fret to the next, it's the closest note together, but it's also the most dissonant. Okay, it's the most clashing, if you were to play an E and an F together, they're very clashing. So, here's how I would explain Little Wing's question at another level. If you were to take the vibration of an E note and make a graph out of it, which I've done these things many times, and you see what the what the uh, you know rising and falling is of that note, and you take an F note right next to it and make a graph of that, you could clearly see that the geometry of the vibration is clashing. It's fighting against each other. It's a destructive. Vibration—it's not coalescing. But if you take a major fifth, you know, and say like E and B, and you graph those, and you see how they rise and fall. And then you put a, a B above E, you can see that the the crests and the troughs so of the that wave are not destroying each other; they're working together, okay? We, at least reasonably well, right? Comparatively to saying an E and F. So that's how I reduce all of that down—is is realizing that the notes themselves contain love and strife, if you will.
1: And And, and of course, much of the teaching that's running around these days is, listen, people, it's all about vibration. Everything's vibration. Yes. Uh, Abraham would say, what you taste, uh, you know, what you see is vibration, and what you hear is vibration. We know, most of us know that from school science, that there's waves in there. It's vibrating. Absolutely. But... Abraham points out that what you can taste is vibration. What you can touch is vibration. What you can smell is vibration. And um, that is, to me, this... Because there's ancient healing arts that involved tones and sounds. um, Some that have survived to this day, different uh, uh, disciplines where priests or monks might chant over you. progressions of musical notes. Um, And just recently, I was talking about this convergence of science and spirituality. Just recently, there was an article in the BBC um, about, they're calling it quantum smell. Um, They always thought that smell was just chemistry, that
4: Uh, the, the,
1: the shape of the molecule you know, triggers certain things in your nose, and that's what you smell. Right. But now, of course, we've looked at more stuff, and we've found that there are things that don't smell the same, that have the same geometry, that have the same shape.
4: Yeah, there's something more going on for sure. On on
1: a further examination, they've discovered that these two molecules have a different vibration. So there's now a scientific study showing that our noses interpret vibration more than chemistry. So yeah, that's, that's good to it's hear. It's coming it's yeah. coming together. Uh, it, it's uh, but that's to me if if it's true and I I don't claim any you know corner of the market on truth, but if it's true that everything is vibration, then everything would respond to vibration to one degree Absolutely. or another.
4: Absolutely. Absolutely and, 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 and resonance
1: yeah, you 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 know you have two tuning forks. You smack one of them and get it vibrating. If the other one's the same note, it'll just start vibrating a, all that's by a itself.
4: Perfect, great example for people. Absolutely, yeah, the tuning fork example. And uh, I, I love this vibration. idea. Yeah, I love this idea that um, we're now at a point where more people all over the world uh, can actually have access to these ideas and, and have this realization kind of naturally, you know, that it's like, well, okay, even, you know, mainstream scientists um, are are telling us this. And it makes it easy for people to, to accept the idea. And then, of course, upon a little bit further introspection, we start to have a, a better idea of a really reviewing you know what it is we're really doing here, and what's really going on, because when we when we go through every day under uh, you know Maya, and I believe me, I still slip into Maya sometimes or delusion or that thing that the Gnostics were telling us about, you know, the illusion of life and, and everything, um, where we're just going through life and we're just kind of operating on impulse, you know, and everything is just the way it seems. Um, we're not uh, tapping into our potential, you know, we're just kind of going through motions. But if we stop and reflect and say, wait a minute, this is this is a magical, amazing reality. There's there's nothing uh ordinary or mundane uh, about um, reality itself, you know. Uh it can have its mundane aspects or it's it's whatever, but but uh, th- that opening is I think is really important for this time period in history. And uh you know, once again uh, it's it's an under thread to everything you look a little bit closer and the things are not the way it seem realization is underneath uh, a lot of great art you have to look for for it a little bit deeper um, but uh, the people like me, Leonardo da Vinci you know and, and then you take Bach for example and he seems very mundane on the surface if you read a biography of his life but you look start looking further and further and you find out that's not the case uh, same with Vivaldi for example another really great composer um, so yeah, the, the awareness of uh, everything being vibration, and then taking it to another level and saying, as you both pointed out, and, and I'm very very grateful by the way that they understand what I'm what I'm saying is that combination of sacred geometry and sacred sound, and actually showing how they interrelate. Is one of the most important things that I'm teaching people right now is that there's actually a demonstrable relationship. They don't have to be viewed as uh, separate entities that have nothing to do with each other at all. It's just, that's how we've been taught, you know?
1: Right, and that there really is sort of a... Uh, it, it, there's a way to see sacred geometry, like a nautilus shell and the Fibonacci sequence. There's a way to just see it. But yeah. there's also an underlying... Science that people are beginning to use for um uh, constructive purposes and a lot a lot of the i think intuitively discovered uh, um, s- say healing tones this and that that they 'll discover a Science will come together with that, and they'll, they'll be able to discover some of the harmonics and reason behind that, at least I hope so.
4: Yeah, no, I, I understand what you're saying. Uh, it's kind of like taking the the simple idea of a molecule and realizing, okay, if you have a molecule that's made of different atoms, and the atoms have a resonant frequency, then it's like a chord, right? So simple. I mean, you know, people come across that without really being very scientific, uh, even you know, just kind of putting the, the ideas together. but. I, I love this idea that um, taking resonant tones that are that are good for us and uh, using them for healing could come more into the fore and, and be an actuality. And uh, you know, there's all these stories about Pythagoras where he would cure people of even just distemper, you know, an, an emotional thing, with the right kind of music uh, and so on and so forth. And because they understood it, um, the Egyptian priests were. <coughs> were some of the, the real greatest uh, masters of, of this. So you have to look really, really hard and really carefully to uncover what it is they really understood. Um, it's been so swept aside. or unnoticed. And you,
1: you really kind of have to go back into the ancient part of even Egyptian history because they kind of
4: exactly get it messed yes.
1: up by the later part. But
4: I agree with you. Uh,
1: many people believe, uh, I believe that vibration, sound in a sense, was used in... Moving large stones um,
4: I, I think that some of these uh, Legends of Amphion for example From the Greeks And uh, various different ones Just like you're talking about There's something to it You know, there's, there's something going on about the resonance Of these archetypal legends About sound being used to move giant blocks That keep, keep coming up with strength In our histories you know, I agree
1: Alright so Um let's see what what should we start with maybe maybe start with Bach uh just to uh give people something that they've maybe heard sort of before
3: oh sure okay
1: so tell uh, us um, why did you pick this Takata and and uh tell us a little about it before we get there
4: Uh, absolutely and I'll be kind of brief with it the first thing that I want to say is that uh uh, most of what I'm doing these days is very, very celestial. It sounds like a celestial symphony, uh, most of what I'm doing. Uh, but I'm still a rock guitar player, and I'm also an Indian musician, you know, and all kinds of different things. I'm a classical guitarist. Um, but this Bach piece, uh, one of the reasons why I chose it is because, like you said, it's something that people are familiar with. But in the 1700s, Pipe organs were like the Marshall stacks. These people wanted to experience some volume and some tone and some resonance, you know, when they built these pipe organs. Oh, and, and so what? Yeah,
1: they're yeah.
4: they're and pretty amazing. If
1: if for anyone that's not been in the presence of a large cathedral pipe organ,
4: there you go. Yeah, it, it, and and so wow,
1: your whole body just vibrates like a rock exactly. concert. Exactly.
4: Exactly, and so I'm glad that that you understand. What I want to point out to people is you can, if you went to saw me at a concert, uh, most of the time I'm going to have uh, a lot of celestial music. But um, the the power and the resonance of the Bach piece is uh, a good example of the idea of, of combining sciences because you're not really supposed to be able to play a complicated pipe organ piece on electric guitar or get its organ swells or its resonance, but, it, but I did. So uh, it kind of gives an idea of um, uh, combining different areas of things in, into something. So uh, with that, let's, let's go ahead and start the Bach piece there.
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh, everybody hang with us. Uh, it's a short piece, and uh, then we'll be back and maybe talk about time piece instead of short piece. But that, okay, that's, cool. That, that's, that's when we get back. So uh, this is uh, uh, Box Takata in, in, in D? I can't, in D I can't, minor. You got I can't, it. I can't, I can't see the whole name in my control panel.
4: Toccata in <laughs> D minor. All right. Yeah. Okay.
1: Help if you know I could play that true Blog Talk in high fidelity and everybody could really crank it out. You got to feel it. it. I've had the good fortune of being able to visit Paris and was in Notre Dame when they played the pipe organ that's in there. And, oh, excellent! Wow, <laughs> forget it. It's the whole place moves, and I'm like the, the insides of your body feel like they're moving around in weird ways. It's really
4: Yeah, I'm I'm really glad you shared that that, to give people a visual of why I would play that piece with such intensity and such powers, because I'm really actually being true to the the real tradition of it. Uh, Yeah, and that time piece, when that comes up, that will be much more thrilled, by the way, everybody.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and um, that brings me to someone that that I wanted to mention to folks, uh, because some people may, uh, if they don't recognize the name, I bet you they would recognize one of his videos if they played it. Um, because uh, on YouTube there's sort of this uh, Mr. Sacred Geometry guy uh, that has a bunch of videos and explains it oh, with yeah, his own absolutely. and absolutely. And, uh, and 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 is somebody that can take it as seems can take it as as deep as someone wanted to go with it, but also does a a fair job of. It helps if you have if this wasn't radio and we could show pictures. It would be way helpful because <laughs> sacred geometry. Is easy and uh, you're to, talking
4: about Charles, right? Charles Gilchrist. And and yeah, uh,
1: I understand that that you know Charles, and uh, a- absolutely. I'm uh, not really surprised, but surprised and impressed, and and uh, all that kind of <laughs> stuff. Well, I, you know, he's one of those one of those people on. He's got a series of how many videos? Huge number. I think.
4: I, I don't know uh, exactly how many. I'm on two of them personally. Uh but uh the, his channel, just to give people an idea, is around two and a half to three million views on his channel. I just Holy give people shit. Some kind of yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's fairly major and, and uh I definitely wanted to In uh, our bring our uh, a yeah. <laughs> yeah. I definitely wanted to mention Charles Gilchrist and also uh my friend J. Gabriel Cavazos. Um they are uh we're like we're like a team. Uh we're we're definitely working on things um and uh it's fairly major stuff, just to just to be really direct about it. Um J. Gabriel Cavazos, for an example, is is very visionary and he's involved in actually constructing uh places like uh, in Costa Rica and things like that they are uh, around the idea of sacred geometry and uh so these kinds of things are actually being now used to develop cities and, and living uh, structures for people. So uh, coming back to Charles Gilchrist for a moment, um, Sacred Geometry 201A, for everyone that would like to know, it was soundtracked by me, and uh, it has two very celestial compositions on there. And then there's Sacred Geometry WC01, which is the first one we did with the webcam, which has part of timepiece on there. And uh, the relationship between Charles Gilchrist and I is something that came out very, very naturally. We started interacting and just realized that we both had been down pretty much the same pathways, and could converse easily without explaining much of anything to each other, uh, very, very deeply and intensely, uh, without any, any real effort. Um, but the, the important thing is, is I want to take a moment to really honor charles gilchrist in this interview because people are kind of surprised that i would show that much deference for for anybody because i'm pretty much capturing my ship the way i live my life but he spent over 20 years producing magnificent artworks uh, around sacred geometries he's actually done the visual thing and he's also created this magnificent series of videos uh charles gilchrist has where he explains it in a way that's not mind-boggling or difficult or anything. It's just really, really interesting. And it's, it's, he knows all the depth, but he knows how to make it accessible.
1: And, 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 and uh, that really yeah. is through the the visual image, because um, it, people have been looking at shapes longer than they've been hearing shapes.
4: Abs- absolutely. And uh, so my my part in in uh, the whole thing is that I understand all the sacred geometry, but I haven't spent over 20 years making the artworks or done the, the work uh, to make this kind of video. So I, I credit where credit is due. Um, and one of the biggest reasons why I well, work it's, so well with them... Well, it's two different
1: though, intentions and purposes, it, too, though.
4: Yeah. Exactly. And that's why I get along so well with them is because I'm I'm actually bringing the sound part of it and where people can understand it and put it all together. And the, the combination is tremendous. Um, I... I opened up the Three Days of Light uh, Festival by live stream in North Carolina recently, and I opened a Charles Gilchrist talk, and I, I just talked about harmonics and how they relate on the strings, simply, and that's what opened his uh, Sacred Geometry presentation. So it's a really neat uh, working relationship.
1: That's just awesome, um, and and awesome. Although I suppose I've Come to expect it more out of our EC family, <laughs> that the way that they <laughs> blend together. um But that, you know, he's more the visual artist kind of guy and mathematician. And not that you, you, you understand the math and are a math, mathematician in that way, but then you're also um, a sound artist instead of a visual artist.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know in, in my notebooks and, and uh in in my my history i certainly made artworks and made amazing things uh but i i will probably never ever uh, be anywhere near the point where I would say spend over twenty years and just produce magnificent graphic artwork one after the other. Uh, but so I understand it fully, um, and I have tremendous uh, background w- with it all. But I uh, once again I'm focused more on the actual sound thing. So uh, no, you, could,
1: you the- couldn't see yourself spending twenty years doing amazing graphics, but I could see you spending twenty years doing amazing music.
4: Yeah, and and uh, w- what's great is Charles is super uh, harmonically aware. He's, he really understands music. So when he's formatted his videos around my compositions, it's a perfect match because he understands the music so well. So we, we uh, have lots more work together. And uh, I, I don't want to say too much, but I'm, I'm actually composing something very, very important in honor of Charles Gilchrist currently. Uh,
1: oh, we love, we love anticipation.
4: Yeah, and make a strong mental note because uh, I was out and about on a sunny day today, and some uh, very important pieces of that composition came to me very, very clearly, and I realized it was important. You know, so um,
2: yeah.
1: Awesome. And, so um, see, we we already have our excuse to schedule you back in when
2: you, when, when when that comes out. You've got to come back. <laughs> well, let us know when it's ready, so we can we can uh, have you on here, and you can share it with our listeners.
4: Mental note taken, Gene.
1: So timepiece, awesome. then uh, it's it's called timepiece in three revolutions. Yes. Um, tell us a little bit more about the name and and and, and the piece because it, it it hooks you up with Charles Gilchrist and also with our friend Brendan Culleton. Uh Some of yeah. you may know him as Skull Babylon, who was on the show uh, some time ago and has his. They have their own show, Paradigm Shift Radio, and uh, uh, Julian's also been over there. So. Uh,
4: Yeah, I really enjoyed my interview with uh, Paradigm Shift Radio and Brandon too. Yeah, it was a really, really uh, good experience, and I'm really enjoying this interview as well. And uh, what I really want to say about Timepiece, and this is for the mystics more than anybody, even though it's for everybody to hear this, Timepiece is a magical composition. It has a majestic life of its own. I'm really not kidding. Um, I just did a, a tribute for Ravi Shankar for a major uh, cultural organization because of that composition. It's on one of Charles Gilchrist's videos. It's going to be on here. Uh, really important things like that have happened around this composition. Uh, it's something that uh, it's inspired dr- directly from the cel- celestial planes, and that's as simple as I can put it. It's not from here, um, and it sounds like there's uh, a bunch of tracks whether there's a rack of keyboards or something going on, it's just me and my guitar. That's it. It's just me and the guitar. But it's so uh, harmonically suspended, and uh, uh, the technique is very pure, and the conceptualization of it makes it sound like there's maybe a chamber orchestra or a bunch of instruments playing. And so, once again, uh, it's a celestial origin, and um, I would... Um, Appreciate any feedback on on this particular composition too because I'm going to be working uh, to get it uh, released online here pretty soon. Uh, But with that, uh, please uh, play it whenever you're ready.
1: You bet. So, Timepiece in Three Revolutions. This one's uh, almost seven minutes long. So, uh, this would be the time, folks, if you need to refill your tea, but crank up your speakers before you do so that you can keep track. (laughs) And uh, stay with us. We'll be right back.
2: really i've spent really? a lot of time with musicians and i would expect that kind of dynamic from say like a hang or an organ even that kind of depth um but not many people can make a guitar do that
4: yeah i haven't seen anyone do it yet <laughs> i'll be honest
1: i saw this guy yeah. named julian I mean, Forrest on youtube
2: <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, we could we could bring Jimi Hendrix back and see if he can do it, but um, <laughs> Santana might be able to pull it off. <laughs> I, I, I don't know though. You know, I'm kind of I I am a huge huge Santana fan. Um, him and Jimmy could do things with guitars that no other human being has ever done before. But you, sir, I mean, really, that's just you in a guitar? Yeah, really? I, absolutely.
4: It's yeah, it's one of the new uh things that I've invented. And uh so it's, it's revolutionary. So cool. It's something yeah, it's something it totally, totally innovative. Is. Yeah, I uh yeah, totally. I did an interview on uh, uh Mark Berman too. I did a Mark Berman interview and uh we we rigged up a a setup just barely. I just I just barely figured it out at the last second how I could plug my guitar into a PA and make it work. We, you know, there's a couple of technical issues. And so I ended up playing these really symphonic improvisations, and he was just blown away because he heard me do it live in a concert, but then that was with my own gear, right? You know? But I did it through just yeah. a, plugging right into a PA, too. And so on those two interviews, uh, there's, well, the one interview and the one uh, song that he captured, you'll hear more symphonic stuff if you want to look up on YouTube. It's just Julian Forrest, Phoenix, Arizona. It's really easy to find. But uh, the idea that um, I'm bringing into... Uh, more people's awareness is this idea that resonance is something that can be transcendent to what you think your instrument is capable of if you understand the harmonics behind it. So right now, for example, I'm I'm writing this symphony that I I alluded to a little bit. It's uh, it's so harmonic that people are going to be able to hear notes that I'm not even playing. It's so harmonic. There's actually notes that come out... Yeah, the, I'm not even playing the note. I just made it so resonant that it pops out. Uh, these notes, well,
2: yeah, because it doesn't seem. I mean, when you're sitting there listening to it, and if you if you really listen to it, and allow yourself to get lost in it, it doesn't seem like that's possible for one guitar and two hands to do. I mean, you're you're kind of thinking by the end of it, there has to be some trick. Some overlay tones going on there Like you know what I mean Like it's just not
1: Dude's got four arms and two guitars Come on really
2: Yeah You're an alien I don't understand We have 20 fingers Not just 10 Um, So yeah I mean you have to And especially somebody Who's been around musicians and you know what the average musician is capable of doing and what the average musician is not capable of doing. And the average musician is not capable of producing a full sympathy harmonic production on one guitar.
4: Yeah, that's, that's That's why correct. they
2: have bands.
4: Absolutely. And, uh, you know, when I played at uh, the Woodstock site, and once again I was reminded by my friend Little Wing coming in on the chat, um, that's been legendary in Woodstock Nation ever since I played there because I winged the whole thing and flew into the Woodstock site, uh, so many incredible details about how I shouldn't have worked, and, and uh, this amazing thing happened. Uh, you, Rick may have saw something about it on, my, on one of my pages there when you, uh looked at my um, composition timepiece. But anyway, the, the important thing is is that uh, that resonance is what's really important, is understanding that there's a whole other series of things, and I don't want to make it sound too mundane or scientific by saying that it's a whole new type of music theory, because it's beyond that even, it's it's this way of making something resonant with the entire cosmos, your body, your guitar, the air, resonating the notes right off the speaker of the amplifier, um, all these things together. I'm using a subtle form of feedback. You know, I, I love Jimi Hendrix. When he'd get up on stage, he had more control over feedback than any other guitarist ever, actual control of it you know, because you can hear that resonance. Uh, and I, I have that same kind of a, a, a control over feedback, but I also have control over feedback where I'm resonating my notes off the speaker at a more subtle level of feedback, and the harmonics are doing something different inside the notes because of that, too.
1: Yeah, you're... you're But it almost... An interplay, almost, between your guitar, the speaker, the air, the... it's all, well, I was exactly. just going to
2: say, it almost feels to me like you're not... Um, you're not creating a tone so much as you're giving birth to a tone and allowing it to expand and to come into its own. Does that make sense? That is an sense? excellent.
4: That is an excellent thing to say and it's very like that. Uh, you, you, I should uh, I'll definitely I'll definitely remember how you explained that because that's the best description I've, I've heard of, of the idea of the, the tone fillings space naturally as it was already a part of it. Uh, instead of me plucking a tone, I'm actually resonating a tone with everything that is. Right. It,
2: it, yeah, that's kind of what it feels like to me. I can't, I can't say sounds because I'm tone deaf.
4: Okay. But, but <laughs> um, you feel but
2: resonance. I, you, you get the, the quality I feel of it. Yeah. I feel music, yes, because yeah. um I'm I'm very sensitive, I eat the whole fibromyalgia and blah blah blah. But yeah, I'm very sensitive to vibration. And so I feel the music and it took me a while listening to it, but after a while it was like, Oh, okay, it's not music, it's alive and that's kind of the sense oh, I got I of it. Was this is a living, breathing, um you know, entity. It's a self aware, conscious entity that's been created.
4: absolutely very cool
1: I believe that 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 piece we could get a a different crowd and of course you know time being illusory it's aware of all of our podcast listeners and everybody we could like go somewhere to a concert where you play that piece but there's a different group of people I think it would probably feel slightly different because there's just um, it it, and it's it is in large part too as, as artists are you said it was a sunny day, and so some pieces of it just came to you. So there's a, there's a great intuitive portion to what you do as well, huh?
4: Uh, oh, yeah, for sure. And uh, by the way, I, I want to uh, acknowledge your point, too, about the subtlety of, of musical composition and uh, you know different environments and so forth. I, I have this very interesting reputation where everyone knows I'm going to do exactly what I want on stage. I'm going to do what I want to do. You know, it's that simple. I will, but I have enough taste to know that I'm going to want to do things that are kind of fitting with the bigger picture too. You know what I mean? So it always works. So I can play in an art gallery, or I can get up on stage at a big rock festival if I wanted to and control Marshall stacks at the same time. So, but how you're playing something, um, really, the vibration of it is it's it's a coalescence between you and the people that are listening. You know, um, so that is that's important to, to realize that. And um, the intuitive thing uh, that you mentioned, Rick, is really, really super important because I'm constantly finding myself um, discovering things uh, or uh, coming across magical things or making magical things happen on something that's beyond my rational mind. I I, I still have a side of me that's like scientific and and everything, and I I think that's really important. But ultimately, magic is, is in realizing the alignments and the resonances of things and seeing them for what they are and and recognizing how to how to uh, cultivate that. And it's the same with composition. Um like I said actually today the me on a sunny day, the, the parts of a composition that came together are something I'm writing specifically for our sacred geometry friend Charles Gilchrist. And uh so that came to me parts day and um uh, but the intuitive is super important. You look at it look at everybody, no matter who they are. Um, a lot of the best scientists uh, kepler and, and Einstein, Leonardo da Vinci and Pythagoras musicians because they 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 understood resonance and they got in, in contact with this idea you know
1: and you get you get the feeling if you look at their writing or their work across time that often they could see what it was they could like see it, and they were trying to figure out how to put it into words or into mathematics or but they could see it in their imagination in their interior world they could see it they're like i know it's true because i can see it exactly. but I, and i'll figure out how to write it down so that you can see it too but it you know sometimes <laughs> yeah. it take, sometimes it took them a while um i get a feeling that that often happens that science is really more closely connected to art than scientists might like to
4: I, I agree with you. Com- I agree with you completely. And, and here's another thing that I'll share with everybody, because uh, I'm very comfortable <clears throat> with y'all. You know, is um, I, I live my life basically like a visionary Renaissance artist. I, a, you know, I go from one one uh, magical project to another, and that's what I actually live for. And it took me a while to get back in the group. But it's very risky. You know, it's like it's not a safe way to live. You know, but oftentimes. I I live as if I were wealthy or, uh, uh, you know, a a world-famous person or something. I I go and play in mansions, you know. Uh, I I do these things where I'm asked to uh, honor Ravi Shankar, you know. Uh, Something that you can't really put a price on, you know, or doing the videos for Charles Gilchrist, playing on the Woodstock site. All this kind of stuff. So people that are trying for that higher artistic art, ideal, a lot of times when you look at their how crazy their life actually was. You know, once again, uh, on purpose, I kind of mentioned Kepler and and uh, uh, you know Pythagoras and uh, Leonardo da Vinci, uh, their lives weren't you know smooth and fluid and easy. <laughs> <You> no, <know? laughs> you know, I,
1: I I I've been trying to convince people for years that the crooked road is. The more efficient road, even Sometimes though it may it not is, be shorter, it, it it it's can be counterintuitive, sort of. But the crooked road where you just you, because you're explaining really the idea behind everyday connection, you connect every day, and so you see what it is you're going to do that day, and you're following your passion, and it leads to these you call them magical projects. Yeah. um And if but if you weren't Ready, willing, and able to just accept and go after go you know go with one of these things that appears you know it, it wouldn't you know all let's see, yeah. I'll have to calculate that for. <laughs> yeah. Not quite like that. It's like exactly. you, want me to, you want me to do what? Okay, cool. Um, I don't have any. I don't have any amps or anything, but I got a guitar. Let's see what we can do. And because that's really, literally, kind of what Mark Berman did to you, isn't it? You didn't have all of your like a full setup. You just were there with a the guitar and to talk. Exactly. <laughs> and he's like, "Go play."
4: <sighs> yeah, and uh, and I'm so thankful. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because it was it was pretty amazing. I, I've put the link up in the chat room, and I will put it on the archive of the show, that that video, because it is a, an amazing piece. And, oh, thank you. Um, uh, so there will be links up in the archive on our website, everydayconnection.me, because it's all about me, no matter which one of you is reading that. Um, <laughs> but we are, you know, wending our way towards the... Uh, towards the end of our time together We our 90 minutes okay. around here at everyday connection go by really fast. Um,
2: really fast.
1: We don't, yeah. we don't play that whole ordered time thing quite well, <clears throat> but, but that's another show. Um, so for our podcast listeners who there's thousands of every week, um, let's let them know where they can, uh, uh, find you. What would be the, your your spot on myspace your page on facebook where where can they find out what julian forrest is up to and and uh
4: sure uh i found that uh some of the more recent stuff is coming up just with a search on youtube or Google of julian Forrest, phoenix arizona uh it brings up some things that uh you know instead of trying to remember a web address uh but here's a couple of web addresses one is uh YouTube.com forward slash Julian Forest Phoenix, so it's YouTube.com forward slash Julian Forest Phoenix, and uh, I don't go to my MySpace much anymore. It's kind of just you know kind of an ongoing thing that's there uh, from a few years ago. Uh, but uh, my Facebook page is uh, Facebook.com forward slash Julian ninety two. So it's Julian.Forest.92. dot ninety two. Uh, if you're looking through different uh, Julian Forrest profiles or whatever, uh, there's one resort uh, that has that name. But the way to recognize me is uh, I've got long curly hair, and uh, there's a picture of me with a bunch of foliage from the town of Woodstock behind me. That's my uh, profile picture, if right. that helps anybody. yeah.
1: And there is a page there. Uh, if you just type in Julian Forrest, there will be a page that comes up that where it says Julian Forest musician slash band, and that's... That's you.
4: Oh, yeah, the, the fan page, too. The fan page, there. too. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, so, again, we'll have links to those there. Do you, you have any uh, magical projects? I mean, you've mentioned a couple of times you're doing a piece uh, uh, to honor Charles. Do you have any uh, concerts? you have anything coming up that you want to tell people there's,
4: about? There's a whole bunch of things going on. Um, so I'll try to just kind of condense it down. Um, because there's so many things, uh, it's hard to actually choose. Uh, but I did mention my friend, J. Gabriel Cavazos, and uh, he's doing some very important things in Costa Rica at the Mega Tree Spawn Resort. And uh, so we're trying to figure out exactly when I'm going to go there and what I'm going to do. Uh, but I'll definitely be there probably at the same time as Charles Gilchrist, as a matter of fact. So that's in the works. I'm also doing very, very important cultural interaction with India, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if I end up uh, going over to India to tour and then working with some of the best uh, Indian musicians in the world, which is very exciting uh, when you can be offered to work with. Grammy Award-winning Indian musicians are willing to, they're just asking you to, to to work with them because there's that mutual respect. It's very awesome. Um, and then uh, I'm taking on a few more students. I'm finding that, that that's helpful for me uh, reminds me of things um so i consider that important uh but uh, the biggest thing is is um overall there's a whole bunch of uh, new material that everyone should be looking for it might take me a, a few months or whatever but it's all in the works so my uh youtube channel and my concert performances are going to have a huge influx of new material soon so keep an eye out for that in all kinds of ways
1: so very cool yeah well, Jane, questions, statements? Well,
2: uh, yeah. Okay, well, statement. <laughs> I'm, well, there's a couple of questions. There's all sure, these questions. go ahead. Okay. EPs, CDs. I mean, if I wanted to not play it on YouTube, but I wanted to sit in my living room or my house and just crank it up full volume, how would I get my hands on your music and to my hot little sure. mix in Canada? Uh,
4: I'll address that really quick, and thank you. Uh, I'm in the process of having a professional <laughs> website built and uh, getting everything online. Uh, It's been a little bit of an arduous process, taking longer than I would have liked, but it's one of the more important things. So that will be up in the future, and you can look for the links on uh, my Facebook page and and YouTube, sometime
2: in the next few months, I believe. Excellent. Awesome. And and I have yet to ask this question to anybody who's come on the show, but I'm going to ask you just for shits and giggles, because I'd love to hear your take on it. Why do all the cool people come from Phoenix? Because we have had some of the coolest guests on this show, and you all come from Phoenix. And,
1: and Jean's what's name on, in the Phoenix? chat room, Jean's name in our chat room is F-E-E-N-X, Phoenix.
2: And my website <laughs> is Phoenix Rising. Her website exciting. is Phoenix Rising. Yeah. I'm just curious oh, interesting. Okay,
4: well, I, I'll tell you this, and, and uh, this is the real answer, by the way. I'm not, I'm not really trying to be too lateral at all. If, if you look at the history of ancient cultures, the majority of the time, the best and the highest civilizations have always been in sun zones. Not an absolute, but for the most part, you know, you look at Egypt,
3: right.
5: you
4: look at parts of India, uh, South America, wherever, most of the time it's in a sun zone or the sunnier part of the country. If it's a big country, it's not really a sunny country. Okay. But nonetheless. Um, so there's something about the sun.
1: Aztec, Maya, Egypt, yeah. Phoenix, yeah. Sedona.
4: Sedona, exactly. And then the other thing that I would say is, uh, you brought up an excellent point there, Rick, that that Sedona is a few hundred miles from here, and I think that there's enough interplay between us and Sedona that that helps. Uh, But if I'm being totally honest with you, if you come to Phoenix, don't ever forget that you are in a metropolis. (laughs) <laughs> ever not for a second, <laughs> I don't want people to think that there, there's like a, a great, a huge renaissance spir- spirituality going on here uh, only because that's just not the case. Unfortunately, I, I actually sometimes think about relocating to Sedona uh, just to get out of the metropolis. Uh, but yeah, there's there's something more going on yeah. here. There's there's a, a relative degree of of arts and spirituality definitely up up and coming you know, and I mean- uh, yeah
2: ultimately curious if it was a vibrational thing. I mean, we know that there's several locations around the world where the vibration and the the planetary harmonics are in perfect alignment to encourage creativity um, and connection to that higher self. So that I was, I've never been to Phoenix. I've never been to Sedona. However, we have had Uh, some incredibly amazing guests who have come on from Sedona and from Phoenix. Um, And, I'm just curious, because you're living in that area, is it a vibrational, you know, is there a little bit of a vibrational boost there? Yeah,
4: there there is, for sure. Um, and I'll share this with you in, in brief. Um, I've lived in other parts of the, the country where it's not sunny, and I had the major realization that I am a sun person. I just had to have the sun, literally, and I, I came here and I winged my whole move several years back, uh, just on a on a whim. Like you're just going to do this, you're, you're going to figure it out. Um, so as soon as I got off the plane, I immediately noticed that the energy was different, for real. And I spent um, my my early time here on uh, an estate, which is lucky that, that was. Um, uh, nice, you know, there's palm trees around and and uh, all sorts of stuff. I was soaking up the sun like a madman. I was just like a big giant sponge for the sun. Even though it was 110 degrees, I didn't care. I loved it. Um, so, but there is there is something vibrational about uh, the Phoenix land itself, despite the metropolis. Um, but once again, uh, you know, well, and, it is a big city. You know,
1: a, a, a place like Sedona. Uh... You know, you, you think about chakras in the human body. It's not a needle point. It's a sort of a big swirling vortex, and and I think Phoenix is close enough to Sedona that sort of that whole area around there uh, is something special because uh, I, I Phoenix, yeah. Scottsdale, uh, yeah, you know, and, and Sedona right up there. It, it uh, it's an amazing part of the country, and I, I've been telling people for years that I'm at least partially solar powered. <laughs> cuz well, you know it, yeah. if i go too long in the gray weather i just really you don't want to know me it's not yeah pretty. You know, <laughs> ex- 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 exactly yeah
2: well, you know, i have one, a sun lamp i have coffee in the morning during winter time
4: coffee yeah i i know the coffee actually helps it it uh, it it no, i mean some I, have, of the, I
2: have my morning my morning coffee under a sun under lamp a sun in lamp. the morning uh, the oh, winter yeah, the because i can't part. live
1: yeah and the yeah, days I can't get really without, short uh, you know, up there Can't in live Canada.
2: Those, those
4: sun. And
1: uh, <laughs>
2: yeah, you, you might want to get
4: out of there eventually, Gene, get to a sunnier zone, possibly. You know, I'm just saying. <laughs>
1: well, I, don't, I don't know. it's pretty Canadian, eh?
2: I. <laughs> <laughs> My home base, Julian, sun lover or not, you would love it here. I'm telling you, this is like um, a beautiful a green lush. Yeah. I am surrounded by bush, and I am in a house that was built by a family member, and it's almost all windows. And there oh. is
1: this cool chapel. Oh.
4: Talk about oh, nice.
1: Talk about yeah. old cathedrals, and you talk about sacred geometry. There's this chapel, not far from her.
4: Yeah,
1: that was uh-huh. built by who?
2: Jane. Uh, it was built by the. Um, some of the stonework was, was originally built by the Templar Templars,
1: yeah. and then okay. brought to Canada. And doors and things were brought from yeah. france and 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 architects and stone workers and yeah, there's this little Masonic sort of Templar sort of chapel right up the road. It's an amazing oh, that's place cool. yeah,
4: yeah they they probably it, chose okay. that geographically it, it, for a reason as in the middle of a vineyard yeah.
1: it is and and her right. water is in their water table where she lives. The water is sort of permeating into the, in this mass of quartz crystal. So,
4: so it's, it's a, oh, wow.
1: there's a lot of amazing places, and we we tell people often if you've just got this itch and you've just had this itch about, man, I got to go to Phoenix, or man, I got to go to Toronto, or man, I got to go to Hawaii, or Cusco, or just
2: go, just
1: go. Just there's <laughs> something said waiting
2: it. for you there. Like it's true. of our
1: guests, Julian said, you, you 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 winged it, right? You just said, okay, yeah. look, i got to figure out how to do this because I've got to go. And, exactly. <laughs> and, and that is the, way, the crooked path, people. That is sort of the – your heart talks and says go. Yeah. There's a reason, but it would be too, many, too much to explain, so you just got to go. Yeah, and,
4: yeah, and that, that's a good good tip for people.
1: And, you know – with with you, the, 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 you give amazing explanations of, of uh, the geometry and, and, and proportions in sacred music. But man, the easiest thing to do is just say, "Well, here, listen to this." And it's like Charles; he goes, "Here, look at this," and he's got one of his amazing pieces of art. Uh, yeah. Uh, or even little the sticks and balls that we all got to used to looking at in school, and he's just it's just. <laughs> Y'all are just cool. Everybody, humans are just awesome. Gene.
2: Yeah, humans are pretty it, awesome.
1: That's original. You know, we've never said that before on the show. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
1: We try to say it every show because uh, if you're not feeling humans awesome, just it? like covering it up. Okay, get that everyday connection, be connected, and watch your awesome go. It's pretty cool. Um, you know,
4: uh, I, I like to say that. Uh, Humankind is a, uh, and, and this is something I read somewhere, so it's basically a quote from a person who I don't know who the author was, but it stuck with me, is that, that human beings are a uh, combination of the divine and the profane. You know, if you look back at history, we're pretty profane-looking, all the stuff, you know, the wars and blah, 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 and uh, everything. But, you know, at some level, somehow, somewhere in way, there's this mixture where we have a divine element. You know, and uh, the more we focus on that, um, the more it can come forth. You know, so mm-hmm. if we choose to feel awesome and be awesome, and that's what we're really doing, then we create that reality. It's that simple. You know. Amen, bro. Absolutely.
1: What a that way to end the show. You yeah. We often ask our guests, you know, if you had one thing you could tell the world, and you did it already. That's so awesome.
2: <laughs> cool. That's just so awesome. Cool.
1: Um, and it's half past the hour. It's just...
2: It is. So cool,
1: what have we got? Um, How do we do that? We don't plan any of this, people, I swear. We have no script. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no rehearsal. That's why I'm having a look for our calendar. <laughs> oh, yeah. We have um, on Tuesday Dr. Patrick Price, who is a chiropractor and medical intuitive and... Uh, uh, he does some amazing things with chi, and uh, he was a martial artist and got himself so beat up that he couldn't move and and found how to heal himself, and so now he helps other people. Uh, and then Thursday is Valentine's Day, so Valentine's night, meet up, meet us here, same bat time, same bat channel, and uh, we'll have a surprise show. We'll have a
2: surprise guest for you.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> Well, we like to do that so thing. Surprise guest. Really? Uh, sometimes we do it five minutes before the show. Like, where's the phone number? What? The- oh, my God. <laughs> so, uh, y'all, thanks so much. And, uh, and and y'all watch. You're liable to end up seeing Julian over on Inner Child because Bill is there. I want to be sure and shout out to Bill and all the folks at Inner Child. Amazing organization. Look them up. Check it out. Inner Child Radio. And uh, and thank you, too, Little Wing, for joining us uh, Join us again sometime. We have some amazing musicians and other amazing guests and artists on the show. And our one and only goal is to have fun. How do we do?
4: It, great, great. I had a really enjoyable interview and conversation and show with with you too, And uh, you really... Uh, have done a great job
2: and uh so i appreciate you very much
1: well thank you so much for well that's
2: sharing. awesome to hear and you just tell any of those creative friends of yours that want to come on the show and share with us that they're more than welcome to hook us up and say hi and we'll put them on absolutely okay.
1: okay. on the website and everything yeah there's bill's main directory site for inner child just www.iaminnerchild.com and uh you can go to Google and search Julian Forrest Phoenix and Absolutely. And and opera. of
2: course we have to we have to give a shout out to our legions of yes. um, podcast listeners. It. The thousands of you that there are now. Um thank you so much for 100- turning this show into so just it's fun. <laughs> oh, hey, one, one last
4: one last question. Is this one gonna go on YouTube?
1: Does well, it go on
2: um,
4: YouTube?
1: I'll put it up on YouTube, and there's a download link on the show that'll be live here in about 15 minutes. Um, Our shows are covered by Creative Commons, so folks can download them, put them on their iPods, email them to their um, mom. You know, buy five copies for their mother, uh, autograph them, (laughs)
3: whatever
1: works. And, um, uh, And to that end, we offer our shows. We have over 150 hours of archives up on the website. It's all. It's all our gift to y'all. So if you enjoy it, we we have a little thing on our website where you can buy us a cup of coffee. Because it takes a lot of coffee to do this show. Right? Oh,
2: yes, indeed, it does, sir.
1: Yes. Absolutely. So you all have a wonderful weekend. And uh, join us on Tuesday for Dr. Patrick Price. And until then.
2: To our mother. To each other. And most importantly, to yourself, stay connected.
1: Good night, everybody.
2: Let me. Thank you. Good night.
1: We hope you'll join us again next time. Until then, visit our website at everydayconnection.me. And please like our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash everydayconnection. Think you might miss an episode? No problem. Subscribe to our show on iTunes by searching for Everyday Connection Radio. Subscriptions are free, just like your Everyday Connection.